Hi, this is Richard Gore, Executive Vice President of Carter Logistics. In our last podcast, we had John Woman with us and we discussed the elements of the lean supply chain. Today, our discussion is going to turn to the data uh, aspect of the supply chain and really how to obtain the data to ac accurately gauge if your company is on the right track or not. Today I will moderate a podcast which focuses in on the tracking mechanisms which should be considered in a world-class lean supply chain. Uh, with me today I have Ross Clark who is a supervisor of our analyst department. Ross, if you could get, let the listeners know a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, I'm originally from London, England. I moved over to Indianapolis um, in 2010 and attended uh, Butler University. Um, from there, I obtained my bachelor's in accounting and finance, um, and then accepted a job at Carter Express. And whilst I've been working at Carter Express, I recently just graduated with my master's in accounting and finance as well. So I've been here three years now. Great, great. Let's get started today on the building block of the supply chain, and that's really data integrity. Uh, Ross, if you could kind of take us through uh, the type of information that you review, but probably more importantly, from the start, how that data is gathered within the supply chain. Sure. Um, for my department of the analyst team, um, data integrity is very important um, for us to help do what we need to do. Um, we're only as good as the data that we have. Um, so we roughly have about 380 routes per day that we run on our Carter milk run. Um, all that freight runs for our cross-stock system. That cross-stock system has a scanning system. So when freight comes inbound or outbound, that scanning system puts that information into the TMS system. Um, and once that information is in the TMS system, around midnight every night, um, it, it gets pushed into an Excel format. From that Excel format, that's where my team can look at the data, analyze it, look at trends, pivot charts, um, look at ways we can be more efficient. Uh, part of that, a big part of that actually is um, the inbound and outbound cube of all of our trailers. So the scanning system allows us to see the cube of the trailers that are coming into our docks and out of our docks. And from that point on, that's where we can start digging into information, suppliers and levelness of shipping um, to be able to potentially come up with cost savings opportunities and um, making our trailers more efficient for, for our customers. Okay. So to repeat what you just said, you're looking at the routes daily and then you're analyzing them. Could, could you tell us a little bit more about exactly what you're analyzing on a weekly basis, a daily basis, and also a weekly basis? Yeah. Um, a big part of what we're looking at is um, the weight of the trailers that come in, um, the skid count, and even more importantly, um, overall, the overall cube that I just discussed just there. Um, so our general baseline of um, cube efficiency of our trailers is around 80 to 85 percent. Um, that's, a, that's a good cube for us. We normally leave about 10 to 15 percent um, of the trailer just in case the supplier overships one day. Um, so that mitigates the risk of overflowing that freight and obviously adding cost. Um, so as I just said, the overflows, we, we look at overflows on a daily basis, um, looking at why an overflow happened, which supplier shipped um, more that day. Um, and then we'd speak to the customers and see if that is a short-term issue or whether it's going to be a long-term volume increase going forward. And obviously, as well, looking at expedites, we want to reduce expedites as much as possible. Um, so looking at premium transport spend um, and kind of just digging into what the freight is doing and how, how full the trailers that we're handling are. Okay. 
So based upon this data review, how often are you uh, looking to change routes? So um, we, we look to change um, our routes on a weekly basis um, and we, we monitor um, the data to see how many routes are inefficient to what we can make efficient. And um, overall, we change approximately about 3% of our routes on a weekly basis. So off of 380 routes, that's roughly about 10 per day, uh, 10 per week, sorry. Um, and making this decision, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, we will first analyze and find the issue at hand, and then we will look at um, preparing um, a solution to that issue. What is the cost impact of that solution? Does it add transit time to the freight? Um, and then we would then speak to our customers and propose those changes and more importantly, make them understand what the issue is, why we're fixing it and how we can go about doing that. And once we have their approval, um, then we can go ahead and make, make that change with the operations team um, to improve that, that solution. Okay, great information, great information, Ross. A uh, question that I usually get uh, from our customers, uh, the ones that are potential customers, I should say, the ones that are dedicated, have dedicated milk runs, uh, they're always indicating to me is there's no additional efficiency I can gain through a shared milk run versus a dedicated milk run because when that truck ends up at my dock and we open the door, that truck is 80 to 90% cubed. Uh, what, what type of response would you give to a customer that, uh, that indicates that that's the case? Yeah, that's a great question, Dick. Um, the real test is how many miles did it actually take of the total route to get that trailer cubed out, whether that was on the pickup or the line haul or ride or the delivery um, of that freight. So what was the real cube utilization when taking into account the whole trip and the average cube utilization across those multiple trips? So by combining customers, we were able to get that, tr that trailer cubed out earlier during the trip than under dedicated routes. Um, and we have a shared, shared milk run system. Um, if that trailer isn't completely full at 80%, if you've only got a dedicated um, milk run network, um, then that ability to add a supplier to that route. When you have a shared network, you have that flexibility um, to maybe add another supplier onto that 80% route to make it 85 to 90%, which obviously increases efficiency and can help drive down cost as well. Okay, okay. So we've talked about the data integrity piece, which really it sounds as if the base of the data integrity comes from the crosstalk and the accuracy of all of our cross docks that are touching the freight. And then you've talked a little bit about, the, on a granular basis, how you are analyzing the daily and the weekly data. Uh, from here, what we're going to do is uh, talk a little bit about KPIs, Ross. So uh, with that, why don't you talk a little bit about the operational KPIs uh, that are generated to the customers? Yep, sure. Um, so key performance indicators, KPIs are obviously a very, very important um, task that my team um, comes up with and produces and then presents to the customer. In terms of the operational side of it, um, we're looking at um, on-time delivery. So um, obviously in terms of a lot of, uh, a lot of customers, a lot of people in the supply chain industry um, working off a just-in-time manufacturing system. Um, and with that, the untimely deliverables are um, obviously very, very important to their production lines. Um, so what we do is we look at um, rate routes that are, are late on a weekly basis. 
um, what is in our customer control, um, uh, sorry, what's in the customer control, um, suppliers loading, um, the delays that suppliers load in our trailers, um, you, those, those are the more common issues of having a snowball effect, of having a, a multiple stop route if the first uh, supplier um, holds the trailer then the second or third stop can, can snowball out of effect. Um, so also looking at what in, what's in the carrier's control. Um, drivers not leaving on time, equipment issues with either the tractors or the trailers, um, dock-related issues of holding freight for late inbound loads to make sure they get their connections. Um, those are some of the things that we look at on a weekly basis um, in terms of what's in a carrier's control. Um, Non-controllable um, instances are, are things like accidents, um, being held for traffic, um, weather-related delays. Those are some of the non-controllable issues, as well as something like border control, if you're looking at freight that's crossing Canada's border or Mexico border. Um, those, are the, those are the controllables or the areas that we look at to see what a carrier um, can mitigate and see trends um, if a driver's departing late. Um, maybe you're getting operations to speak to that driver if it's a consistent issue of why that driver's departing late or why that driver's being late to its delivery um, and kind of getting the operations on board with uh, mitigating those issues. All right, thank you, Ross. The other KPI which is really near and dear to the supply chain managers is cost <clears throat> and the level of cost and where is that cost being expended. Can you talk through a little bit about uh, the the supply, how the supply chain cost is communicated to those customers? Sure. Um, in terms of the cost, that's obviously a big driving force um, that customers want to look into and to look at into trends for. Um, coming at it from a corporate um, standpoint, looking at, say, for instance, a, a monthly scorecard of what that overall summary um, pertains in terms of the total transportation spend, um, the fuel, and ultimately the cost per hundred weight um, overall of, of, that, of that specific customer. Cost per hundred weight is obviously a very, very big driver of, of, of how efficient your routes are currently running. And then what you want to do is you want to break it down to a plant by plant, so then you could drill a little bit further into it and look at the same KPIs and the same costs, uh, but see, see the difference of um, maybe year over year from a certain plant. Um, what were they spending in 2018 compared to what they were the year before and what was the percentage increase or decrease? And then you can, do, you can, you can dig even further down into that um, in terms of looking at the actual suppliers. What were the top suppliers with the, with the most spend? Why were they the most, why were they the most costly um, suppliers? How far are they mileage-wise from the pickup of the supplier to the deliverable to the plant? Those are the sort of KPIs sort of, uh, you sh that you should be looking at to kind of see where you can lean out cost and become more efficient overall. Okay, great, great. Now, when you present proposals to customers, do you use a standard format to present those savings initiatives to your customer base? Yes, we do, yep. Um, that's, a, that's a big part of what we do. Um, so we, we have a standard template um, that basically shows the current state to what uh, the future state may be for that specific plan. Um, and we have a standardized template that we use um, for all of, our, all of our customers. And it, it, the most important thing is, one, coming up with the idea and the solution, but it's making the customer understand um, what, what it entails. Um, obviously, how much is it going to drive down their cost? 
does it affect the transit time? Um, so we, we, we go over that with the customer on, normally it can, it's on a weekly basis, uh, maybe over an hour conference call, or just it's telling them what plans we have. It could be two or three in a row, um, and just making them understand and, and presenting them, whether it's in the form of WebEx as well as a conference call, and walking them through the standardized template to show what their spend was or what it currently is to versus what it, we forecast it to be in the future. That's the, that's the kind of um, way we, we, uh, we, we put that across to the customer. Thanks, Ross. <clears throat> One of the questions that comes out from our customers is, you tell me that we're going to save $100,000 uh, based upon a recommendation um, of changes in the supply chain. Do you go back and audit that because they're concerned that that 100000 is actually realized in their financials? Yep, of course. Um, that's a big thing that um, the customers obviously want. It's one thing uh, proposing or forecasting a cost savings initiative. Um, you want to see in three months' time what was the actual realization of that proposal. Um, so, yeah, so, so we, my team, we, um, we, we do a savings audit um, every quarter. Uh, to basically make sure that we're keeping on trend of what we initially proposed. And if we're not on trend, why is that? Did the weight increase? Did the frequency increase or decrease? Those are the sort of things that we look into and in making sure that, that the, the savings audit or the savings proposal um, is actually coming to fruition. As a customer, what should they expect as far as annual savings? Yep, I mean, normally, normally they should be expecting 10% of their annual spend in the first year. Um, that's, a, that's a realistic number um, when you get all of the data and you can actually dig into it. Um, going on from that on the following years, um, I mean, our personal internal goals are at least 5% of annual spend year over year um, going forward. Um, but yeah, normally 10% normally the first year is realistic and 5% going forward is, is a good figure. Okay. I'm often in front of customers and we, we begin discussing implementation. If they do choose to align themselves with us, what the implementation process is and the timeline to get something in, or the, a new supply chain implemented from uh, beginning to the end. Can you explain that a little bit? Yep, the onboarding of customers um, is obviously very important. Um, when we win new business from an RFQ, um, it's important to have the, um, the representation of different departments. So it could be the operations department, you will have people from 3PL, um, customer service, um, the cross-stock representatives. Um, and in that respect, so we would get together, um, we would look into a quote, and then we would create a Gantt chart which basically goes through certain tasks for each department to complete. And unless one department has completed that task, then we would go to the next task and then eventually get to 100% of the whole project finishing. Um, and at that point, that could entail contacting suppliers, changing window times, um, contracts. Um, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's obviously a, uh, the full works of onboarding a, a client successfully is normally takes around two months. Um, but making sure that every department is on board um, in terms of all of the operation side of things and, and yeah so it's, it's obviously a very important task for us um, to, to successfully on board. It takes a lot of work from different departments all coming together um, with the same end goal.
So Ross, if I'm trying to evaluate the logistics provider I'm using, what type of question should I be asking of them? Yeah, that's a good question that you're asking there, Dick. Um, so I would be looking to get um, some of these some of these questions that I'd be asking my service provider. Um, are you getting the cube information from from your service provider? Um, in addition, does your service provider proactively l uh, review the lanes that they're running for you? Um, and are they coming up with cost containment issues um, with the routes as well? Um, and some of the basic KPIs are definitely, you, d you should definitely want to be seeing um, how on time the freight is. Um, do they, do, does the service provider produce cost by, by cost information by the plant? Um, and also, in addition to that, do they have cost by supplier as well? And some of those basic KPIs are, are something I definitely think you should be expecting from your service provider. Um, and also, do you understand what suppliers are shipping level and what suppliers are shipping unlevel? Um, supplier shipping unlevel can obviously cause overflows and expedites, which, which you obviously want to reduce to a minimum. And, and also, in addition, are overflows uh, being reviewed in detail? And once an overflow occurs, what, what is your service provider doing to find a solution to that overflow and put the best transportation um, solution in place for that. So those are some of the questions that I'll definitely be, be wanting from my service provider. Thanks. This has been great information for the listeners today. Ross, could you uh, give us your contact information so that the listeners could reach out to you? Sure. Um, I can be contacted at my email address, which is ross.clark at carter-express.com. And I'll just spell that out as well. That's R-O-S-S dot C-L-A-R-K-E at C-A-R-T-E-R dash E-X-P-R-E-S-S dot com. Thanks again, Ross. Uh, the, we are going to be featuring a lot of these KPIs that Ross was communicating earlier today in a webinar, an upcoming webinar. Uh, so please stay tuned for that announcement as to the timing. In addition to that, our next podcast series will deal with the Mexico supply chain. Obviously, there's been a lot of tier ones and tier twos that have moved down to Mexico to support the automotive industry. And with that, there has been several questions that have been presented to the organization about the differences in the supply chain between Mexico and the U.S. And accordingly, we will be featuring that in our next podcast. Thank you very much for listening today. If you have any questions or requests for an upcoming episode, please email us at marketing at carter-express.com. Special thanks to Carter Express and Carter Logistics. Music for this podcast was composed by Phil Larson. Check him out at phillarson.net.